everybody. Welcome to Horror Movie Yearbook. I am Tim. I'm Willie. Willie, I've got the uh, Game Nerds pulled up their feed. I'm looking at their latest episode that just came out right now. I thought you were saying you had the Game Nerds. Like, like, this is like a, the beginning of a ransom note. Like, I've got, hey, Willie, <laughs> I've, I've got the Game Nerds. And <laughs> if you the want them nerds. back... They're tied up. And if you want them like back, shed. you're going to have to... <laughs> <laughs> That's why they didn't record a new episode. What they yeah. usually do is because <laughs> they just dropped this tonight. It's episode one sixty nine, titled "Sick Baby Simulator." So, <laughs> I think this. I thought this. I, I didn't think this was a joke at first because there's all these simulator games. There's like Goat Simulator and um, yeah, there's a lot farming of them. Si- like, simulator. Yeah, for but sure. I think this is a joke. Oh, it is. Uh, I th- well, and I don't mean to make light of it because it sounds like it says John has been busy playing ba- Sick Baby Simulator. So unfortunately, it sounds like John's a child is uh, sick. Yes. Yeah, so, okay. I was just going to say, I, I believed it was a real game because of the same reason you did. There's a lot of simulators out there, like su- silly simulators. Right. And I went, why would John want to play Sick Baby sick. Simulator? He's probably dealt or is dealing with a sick baby. Right. <laughs> now it makes sense. So I, didn't, I just want to put this out there. I did not make that tasteless joke that was uh, the founder alex yeah disgusting <laughs> disgusting <laughs> who made that but hopefully john's josh child gets better soon i'm sure i'm sure mm-hmm. got those strong morel genes he does yeah. yeah yeah you don't mess with morels um g-e not j-a j-e maybe <laughs> i don't know what their genes are like I, I bet John wore some Jinkos back in the day. John, let us know. Are those the, are Jinkos the strongest cheat? Come on, dude. <laughs> Ain't nothing stronger. What were the there were weren't there two brands like that? Or was it just There were Jinko? a couple, but Jinko was like the Yeah, that was you ever wear Jinkos? Full, full I may have had the knockoff brand, honestly, now that I think. Did back you ever on. wear those pants like parachute? Mine jeans? were so I were so I was never a Jinko guy. Uh, okay. The thing with me is I was like I was more into like hip hop as like around that time. Yeah. So I just wore insanely baggy pants. Like your like, like your ass was su- hanging out. Like super baggy pants okay. because I wanted to be um like I wanted to look, I wanted to be like Tupac. Uh, Which I, yes. I mean if you know me obviously. Got, <laughs> Very yeah, well, much. I mean, I've, I mean you guys are like birds of a feather. Um <laughs> uh I wore Jinkos. Uh yeah, they were not good. Um, but then I got into this weird phase throughout middle school into early high school where all I wore were Adidas track pants. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I still, I I'm still in that phase. Yeah. Okay, good, good. <laughs> but I but I would always coordinate my t-shirt with my pants. Okay. It's so like I had a pair of orange Adidas track pants, red, I had blue, I had yellow, I had the whole the whole menagerie, the okay. whole oh. uh, the whole rainbow of colors. Okay. And but I would always coordinate my T-shirt with whatever pair of pants I was wearing. Okay. See, I think I only had black, blue, and white. I didn't have any yellow. I like. had a lot of different colors. Very nice. And then I would wear. I had Adidas visors. <laughs> okay, so you were like a walking Adidas billboard. Yeah, I looked like a, I looked like a boy bander. I think like, but like one of the like O Town, like a knockoff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I wasn't like like top tier. I didn't yeah. look like a boy bander at all. But if I was going to be in one, it'd be O-Town. Right. So if we were in Metro Detroit and some like CD manager came by, he's like, uh, he'd be like, you look like you might be the nerdy uh, one in the boy band. <laughs> you look like you could yeah, be like, the, the, tough the, guy. the skinny, the little skinny guy in the boy band. But I would, I would wear the Adidas, the color coded Adidas, uh, yeah. visor. Mm-hmm. And then I'd spike my hair up with gel above the visor. So it would stick. That's pretty sweet. That's out of the pretty, visor. You got pictures of this? Yeah. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. I you don't remember have a the picture. corn song Adidas? All day I dream I about do. I do. It I was listen- all day I dream about soccer, right? Was the 
Was that what Adidas... All day I dream about sports. sports. I think soccer originally, and then they adapted it to sports. Soccer, yeah, yeah. Well, it might not Ooh. even be... It may even be sports, because soccer is only referred to as soccer. In Correct. this part of the world. Correct. So I don't know what... It's sports now. I know this. But Corn had a song. All day I dream about sex. Yes. Um... I listened to a lot of Corn back then. Which album? Do you remember that? Was that that would have been on their second? I believe. I I I haven't been a Corn fan for some time. They're still they still make music. They still they're still rolling. Um, I I'll, I'll look into that. I went to a Tigers game. Oh shoot! This past year, and I'm trying to remember the song now. But someone walked out to Corn, like because when you're a batter, like you pick your walk on music. Oh yeah, was it Freak on a Leash? Probably. <laughs> no, it was like it was like a Corn. It may have been Twisted Transistor. Whoa! And I went, whoa! <laughs> well, who's this guy? Because uh, the Tigers have a lot of Latin players, and it was a lot of <laughs> the walkout music. Basically, sounded like a Fast and Furious soundtrack. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was sweet. And then all of a sudden. Corn rips in, and I'm like, whoa, 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 who's this? Who's this hard ass? That's amazing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for the. Uh, yes, uh, I was on the second album, which was called Life Is Peachy, um, which also featured uh, No Place to Hide and Good God. Okay. Uh, I sang a corn song in a cover band. Okay. In high school, a corn cover band. No, we covered. Uh, various new metal songs, and I sang uh on one of the tracks. I sang "Blind" by Corn. Okay, and I sang it. And we recorded it. Somebody has a recording somewhere. Hopefully, they don't. But I bet somebody does. And I, I because we only had we had very limited equipment. I sang through a guitar amp. Okay, so it sounded really good. <laughs> And we uh, submitted it to the Battle of the Bands. Do I know anybody that's seen this, that's witnessed this? Personally? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Because there are a couple uh, people I thought maybe had. No. Okay. No one's witnessed this. But I will say this. We submitted it to be entered into the Battle of the Bands at the high school. And immediately were rejected because you were not allowed to send a cover song over. And we went, well, shit, that's all we do. <laughs> Who else did you cover real quick? No like, oh. one else. That was the only song we ever recorded. <laughs> So I'm, wait, I'm sorry, you were a new metal cover band. You covered new metal songs, and the only one you ever did was the chord song. Correct. <laughs> See, what happened was that was the first song, Tim, that we really that was that was our debut. We were that was what we we're gonna start with. Yeah. And when we when we got entered into the Battle of the Bands, we were gonna we had a whole like track list of songs we were gonna be covering for our set at Battle. We had a whole plan. Right. And we're like, well, let's just record the one so we can get entered. We submit it and get entered. And then they listened to it and said, well, A, I don't understand what this guy is singing because he's singing through a guitar <laughs> amp. <laughs> and B, it's a cover song. And it literally said, I think in bold letters, please submit an original song. No covers will be accepted. And my genius friend who played guitar... Yeah. Was like, I got this, man. We're getting in. And then I was like, how'd it go? And he's like, I didn't get in. And then our band broke up after that. But he went on... Was it a bad breakup? No, no. Okay. We were still friends. But he went on to form a band with... So him and, and the drummer, there were only it was a three-piece. Me and a guitar player and a drummer. There was no bass player. So that was probably not good either. Um, they went on to form a band. So that was nice. Okay. So they were like, so like you guys would be like the yard birds in this situation. They would become like Led Zeppelin. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Their band was inspired by bands like um, uh, Cannibal Corpse. Oh, so, okay. Devourment. Okay. Okay. 
Uh, so it got a little darker, a little harsher. A little yeah, they heavier. they growled at, at at the audience and stuff. New metal it, covers were in the past. I, oh no, no, Bob! It took about six months between the point we recorded our corn cover to them going corn sucks and like throwing all their CDs away. Yeah, that's kind of a tough thing about that age is like you start yeah. to discover. That's when you're in your discovery mode of like new music, and then yeah. all of a sudden you find you find something. Like, because a lot of the times, like stuff like new metal, like popular, like new metal, like might be a gateway drug to something that you like even more. And, exactly. Yeah, yes, and I think that was the thing. case here. And I went, and then they're like, well, "I'm like, well, what do you listen to now?" And I played it, and I went, "I, I'm I'll stick with corn." <laughs> you keep up with you know what these your fellow bandmates are up to these days? Are they still playing? Uh one of them is uh, is married okay. with uh, a couple of kids. Okay, I believe he still lives in Berkeley. Great guy. Um. Uh, his wife, actually, funny enough, is uh, she does Color Street nail polish. Oh, okay. Have you heard of this? No. It's like a they do like through like online parties kind of thing, like with like lingerie parties and stuff. But it's just like nail polish parties. Mm-hmm. But it's they're like adhesive nail polish that you just kind of stick it on your nail and it's like on. Like you don't they don't have to like you don't have to like paint your nail. I don't okay. know. Anyway, my, my wife just got... Oh, so, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I know this. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My okay. Wife, so, okay, I didn't know... the brand Color is, Street, it's called. Yeah, so I was confused. Once you explained it, this is my You wife, got it. It's okay, a different cool. brand, yeah. Yeah. My my wife actually just ordered some from the drummer's wife, so... Oh, yeah. fair enough. I haven't okay. seen him in years, but... <laughs> what, a, what a fun coincidence. And then the other one, the, the, the guitar player who became the lead singer of the... Um, the Grindcore, I believe they call it, band. Uh, he, last I heard, was homeless. You know this person. I'm not going to talk anymore about the person. I'm not going to say oh, names. Oh, I know. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. last I heard, he was not doing well. Okay. Well, then I, I, I wish the best that. for that person. Me too. Me too. All the best to him. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, where can uh, the people reach us at? It got dark too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's get it, let's get off. This let's subject. get off of that. Uh, yeah, they can reach us. Uh, you can send us your stories about your high school bands that you may or may not have been in, or any corn songs you covered. Uh, send us any recordings to horrormovieyearbook at gmail dot com. You can also reach us on Facebook at Horror Movie Yearbook. We're on Twitter at HM Yearbook. We're also on Instagram. Send us ideas for episodes, feedback. If you want to hear less about my sad uh, career as a new metal cover singer, um, if you want to hear more about that, let me know. I don't have that much more to tell. <laughs> that was the behind the music. <laughs> that was it, baby. That was it. That was the whole the whole uh, journey there. Uh, next time, I'll regale you stories of my my days as a, a manager in a backyard wrestling organization. We'll have to, we, we need to save that because that's going to be a deep dive. We probably should have done that on the WrestleMania episode we just did. But, uh, well, we can save it. Yeah. There's always time. Um, what are we here to talk about today? We don't even have to get in the time machine. No, no, no. We saw this one uh, a few weeks back or a couple weeks back. Yes. Um, we are talking about Halloween Kills, the sequel from David Gordon Green and uh, Danny McBride and the third guy who Scott I... Scott Teams. Thank you. Yes. I was going to feel really bad because when you hear about these, you think of those two guys and not so much Scott Teams. But Scott Teams also. Um, this it's is te- the sequel. It's a team. It's a team effort. A team. <laughs> Yeesh. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Get low. This, of course, is the sequel to uh, Halloween from 2018, which in itself was a direct sequel to Halloween from 1978. Yes. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is back. Um, Judy Greer is back as uh, Karen Strode, Laurie's daughter, and um, 
Ali Matichek is back as uh, Allison Strode, the daughter of Karen. We got the three generations coming back for this one. Um, that's about it for returning characters, with the exception of one. I don't know if we're digging right into spoilers, are we? I'm not sure. It's a newer movie. Let's do okay. So let's do a. We'll do a quick non-spoiler, like our general thoughts. Sounds great. And then we'll, I, then we're gonna get yes. into like a. We're gonna break this whole thing down character by character. Sounds great. Yeah. And then it's gonna get spoilery. Okay, I love that because I, I would hate to spoil this for those who have not seen it. Um, yes, because I know it's in theaters now. It's on Peacock now, but I do know that some people have not. Yeah. Seen it. Yes. Yeah. I I only watched it because you have Peacock. So there we go. Yep. Um, NBC is listening right now. Like, shut it down. They better not. They better not. I've seen these peacock numbers. They better hold on to all the subscribers they can get. Yeah. Well, I've 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 subscribed once. It's not. Never mind. <laughs> we won't defame. It is on the. Uh, it is on the four. I will say this to anybody on the fence. It's on the four ninety nine tier of Peacock. So it would be what a rental normally is, and it's without less ads. than a rental, dude. So like the four ninety nine, like when you order, it usually has ads in it. But this movie does not have ads. I was very worried when we watched it because we watched it. On a projector, on a projector in your garage, with a group, and, with a group yeah. and I'm like, oh crap! I only have the 499 tier. Did like, you panic this, for a second? Yeah, I'm like I, I watched a little bit so I could see because normally they'll put in the ad breaks, like the little dots on the timestamp, on thing? the timestamp yeah, thing. So yeah, I yeah, played yeah, yeah. it for a second and I went through. I go, well, I don't see any ad I breaks. Think we're good. But yeah. even like we're watching it, like, well, <laughs> here comes a Mentos commercial. <laughs> Because the thing with Peacock is... Peacock Just is, as Michael Myers is murdering a, 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 a firefighter with a pickaxe, yeah. <laughs> here comes our Pepsi commercial. They have the uh, they have the one... Uh, they have that Jay-Z... Have you seen the Jay-Z and Beyonce commercial? I have not. It's really good. It's the only, it's the type of commercial that only a guy who has uh, cheated on his wife and she has made him <laughs> make a commercial all about how great... I'm sorry. I, th- th- I thought this was no. I think she. I think she made a whole album about this. Beyonce Ooh. did. I uh, mean, I don't but, doubt it. But I, like, I don't know the. This yeah. whole commercial is about Jay Z just staring and like looking at how awesome and beautiful Beyonce is, and it's just all about Jay Z looking and be like, "Oh my god, I marry Beyonce." And so, like, it feels like Beyonce made. Him make this That's commercial. so sweet. Good for her. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if he had if he was, that if he's been faithful his entire life to Beyonce. But I think she made a whole album saying. Yeah, that was fine. So, I, I made I made I made crazy claims about Matt Lauer that did. To be fair, it turned out to be true <laughs> once on the podcast. Right. So, you know. But anyway, my yeah, my joke was he's killing someone and then the Jay-Z and Beyonce commercial. Excellent. Pops. But anyway, so. Yeah, that would have been good. Yeah, because Peacock isn't to be bad with commercials that will just pop up. But I know, like mid-sentence. Yeah. It's insanity. <laughs> so anyway. It's kind of great. Anybody though. on the fence, it's only four bucks if you want to take a shot. But anyway, Willie, what did you think? General thoughts on Halloween Kills. Uh, Halloween Kills is kind of a mess if I'm being... Okay, so no. Hold on. Rewind. Back it up. I'm of two minds with Halloween Kills. Uh, We'll go with the less enthusiastic one first. As a sequel to Halloween 2018, which I did not love, to be fair, and which in itself, like I said, was a sequel to 78, uh, this is not great. It does not... I mean, like, this, this does not do a great job of following that trajectory that they... There was a bit of a... When the promotion started for Halloween 2018 and things were gearing up and we were getting Carpenter back and Blumhouse is doing it and Dave Gordon Green is writing and directing and this is going to be a direct sequel to the original and it's going to be more of a prestige horror film and uh, screw all those sequels, they sucked and we're going to ignore all that continuity. This is the real sequel to Halloween, the classy sequel, the one that lives up to the original and follows that, that Carpenter 
style and is scary again and we're going to bring Michael grounded and back to to real life and uh, make him scary again and it's not going to be about a brother and sister or a cult of thorn or any of this stuff we're going to ground it and yada yada they, this was all part of the promotional stuff for Halloween 2018 I don't think I'm exaggerating that fact that was part of the the spiel going into it was to like win these fans back who apparently had been spurned by uh, I guess the sequels and the zombie stuff and uh, that was the mission statement was this is we're getting back to basics back to that original movie 2018 does that mostly but there are places where it doesn't that I go what like did you think that this is what you were accomplishing with Halloween kills they take those moments in Halloween 2018 where I go what what? This is not a. This is not grounded or is, and I wasn't. You know, this is not what you were saying. It was. They take those moments and they that that's the whole movie. That is Halloween Kills. It's all the it's all the crazy shit from Halloween 2018, but in a in a movie and then uh, accelerated and uh, accentuated beyond that. Um, so it, it, as a sequel to those two movies, I don't love it. Um, this is not going to be my, I didn't think it would be anyway after Halloween 2018 cause I didn't love that either. This is not going to be my, my definitive Halloween timeline. And I know we've talked about this before on the show. My definitive timeline is, and I think at this point will always be Halloween, Halloween two H2O. I think those three movies, I ignored the one that came after H2O. It doesn't exist in my mind. It never happened. Those three movies are, are the Halloween trilogy. If I want to watch the beginning to end story, I love all the, cult of thorn stuff and stuff but like that's the three that you got to watch now if i view this as a movie a just a halloween sequel ignoring all of that extra stuff with regards to promotion and people talking about it and just loving and appreciating the slasher genre the way i do and missing the slasher genre of old and missing the friday the 13th series especially if i'm being honest this movie rules like it kicks ass so it it just it completely depends on how you go into this movie i for one am happy i went into it i probably knew too much because i like straight up read the script practically but i don't think i needed to know that much but i'm happy i went into it knowing and hearing that this is like ridiculous balls to the wall insanity. I think if I had gone in not realizing that or not knowing that, I would have been disappointed because I would have been expecting something different. I'm psyched that I came I went in knowing a bit and coming out with my uh my anticipation and my my like I guess my um my hopes for what the movie would be based on what I had heard uh exceeded in a lot of ways. Um, this is a super fun slasher sequel. It's still, I think it's still probably one of the best Halloween movies because it's just nuts. And this is one that I think is, it's nuts and insane and it's such a fun, crazy slasher movie and the kills are great and the humor's fun and just the pure insanity of it all is, is like, I had a great time with this movie, but it's not vulgar like the zombie movies are and that's the difference for me the zombie movies are just gross this is like funny yeah <laughs> and mean and kind of great in that way like carpenter fucking loved this movie i bet yeah. there's no way like 
he was mostly excited about this for the paycheck, no question. His car, I mean, he got paid, and he got to make music with this kid. I mean, that's awesome. Who wouldn't be excited for that? But like, I think he also kind of liked this movie, I, if he watched it, <laughs> which I assume he did. Anyway, <laughs> that's, that's sorry, I, I'm rambling now. No, um, you're good. You're good. That's always a question. I like okay. Halloween Kills. I think it's a ton of fun. If you have not seen it yet, do not go in expecting it to be some sort of grounded, like uh, subdued, uh, you know. Uh, throwback approach to the the creepiness and the eeriness and the uh, the spooky almost minimalist qualities of Carpenter's original movie. This is balls to the wall slasher heaven with just crazy nuts violence and blood and guts and a plot that maybe doesn't make a ton of sense but you laugh at and have fun with. There you go. That's how I. It's not much of a review but I enjoyed it. You just got to look at it the right way. You have to, yeah. Yeah, so real quick. So going into this, I think you even said on the last podcast or the podcast before that, before we had seen Halloween Kills, you're like, you're either going to love this or you're going to hate it. Like I knew that you were going to be one of two. I, I was pretty clo- sure you were going to love it. And I, I, the closer we got to the release, and honestly, the more I read the reviews and kind of the reaction to it, I'm like, I think I might end up loving yes. this. So we went into it, and I got out of it, and I watched it. And after that viewing, I had so much fun with it. I'm like, I, I think I did love this. Yeah. I sat down and watched it this week again because I just wanted to be sure. Oh, which I have not. So yeah. yeah. So I sat down with it and I took it all in again and kind of uh, kind of sat with it again and I've sat with it for a couple of days. It might be my favorite sequel. Oh, with my, my, with man. Michael Myers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We, we yeah. No, yeah, I, we, we know it, we know what your favorite sequel is. Maybe your favorite Halloween movie is. The, my thing with the Halloween franchises, I love that first movie so much that everything I am kind of one of those people that like, anything else that comes after pales in comparison to the first movie there, and there's a lot I like it's different from other flasher, slasher franchises in yeah. that sense because it's not that original is such a high watermark yeah. that none of them could possibly live up to it right I think there's moments where they they, they do capture the spirit of it mm-hmm. and they are able to like tap into those in brief sequences or moments even some of the lesser sequels i think are have those moments yes but they never are able to capture the magic of that first movie other slasher series don't have that problem i don't think um friday the 13th is friday the 13th is one that definitely does no it doesn't at all that first i really like the first movie but i admit it's like a low budget schlocky kind of like ripoff movie for sure no question i love it but that's what it is even nightmare on elm street i think is a classic i think it it deserves its place on that on the pedestal it's on but i do think the sequels there are a couple of sequels in there that are able to even elevate what I the think first in our one bracket, is didn't we both pick dream warriors as it's our favorite the best nightmare? it's yeah. the best one <laughs> I, I think that's the that is the best nightmare movie in my opinion anyway sorry yeah so and i think we, i didn't i wanted to re-listen to our we did a halloween bracket a while ago and i wanted to re-listen to it just kind of solidify my thoughts because i did rewatch yeah. the entire series before the last movie came out and i've only seen bits and pieces of the other ones but <laughs> The thing with this one is, this is in some. So, uh, I guess I should bring up my feelings on 2018 real quick again too. I that one's lessened for me each time I've watched. Agreed. It. And I really liked it when it first came out, and I still like it. I still think it's good. I think it's solid. I think there's stuff in that movie with Lori in particular. Th- uh, one of my issues, I think, with the lead up and the advertising and the marketing leading up to it was. They came out around the um, the old elevated horror boom 
Like we're getting it. We were getting into kind of like the post. I think we get out, came out. out. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it was Blumhouse again. And they, they want, and I totally understand it. And there's stuff in there with Lori that I think fit that time. I don't, I think a lot of that stuff, like the dealing with trauma and the internalizing and how it affects other people. I think a lot of that is handled better in H2O. Okay. So, I, I I don't want to drag this out too much, but I I, I could not agree more with you. Yeah, <laughs> I think the betrayal of Lori and H two O dealing with that for the past twenty years since the original, I think to me rings more true, mm-hmm. feels more realistic and grounded than anything in 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 twenty eighteen. Um, and I think for me, it just connects better. I think 2018 kind of feels in a lot of ways like the cartoon version of that. There's, I mean, there's a scene in 2018 where like that scene where she shows up to dinner, it's, it's, it's really over the top. It's, it, it's, it's silly. silly. It's silly. It's silly. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, I mean, I'm not saying it. I don't hate the portrayal of no, Laurie. I don't think no, it no, ruins no. the character. I think it, I think it's a place that I could see that character from 78 ending up. I just think the H21, H2O does it better. H2O is not a perfect movie, but it feels like a sequel, I think, to that first movie in a lot of ways. Yes. The other thing, though, so the other thing is that, yeah, there's stuff into, so that's what I wanted to touch on with 2018 mainly. The thing with this movie is, too, with Kills, and that I think does the best since the original, is it gets back to that idea of Michael Myers just being the embodiment of death. Yeah. Just the living yeah. blackness, <laughs> the living, just the just the obliteration of everything. Like that's Michael Myers. He is the scare. He's the boogeyman. Yeah. And what it does differently than I think. So so seventy eight is more about how how death and how the boogeyman kind of um, infiltrates that small town, that that suburb, that that safety of that of Haddonfield. Yeah. This is about how dealing with that like leads people to be scared and just do crazy crazy things and, yes and it's it, it's and i it's really on the nose towards the end uh some of the stuff with Lori says but it, it it kind of rules um but this to me is yeah is michael it's the it's the best version of michael when it comes to capturing that overwhelming darkness <laughs> that can that can overtake a community and i actually think what's weird about it is they played um uh, they played a lot of that like the dealing with trauma stuff up around that time i think this movie has more to say about the times we live in than 2018 um does at all <laughs> like it's weird that i've seen less of that in some ways and maybe they're dialing it back but i think this movie and some of it is really really out there but some of it's not and i think we'll dive into it a little bit more in spoilers last thing i want to say about that uh, to your point is that so recently we've had uh, uh, elections in our small y- the small town that you and I live in yes and uh, I've seen some of the stuff back and forth on like the Facebook pages for the city we live in about the mayoral races this is not a big city this is not like a, some giant crazy like election like I mean it's important obviously but it's not right. we're not talking about the president or or uh, the senate or the, like the, this is it's like city council very yes yeah and like the town we live in has a very squeaky clean kind of vibe about it in a lot of ways. And Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of community events and it's very friendly and outgoing and stuff. But like you see them online as soon as the, like the pitchforks come out and it's insane. Like people go nuts. Uh, The, the, uh, the one, a couple of those Facebook groups I'm aware of out there can get crazy. (laughs) And that's the thing is, and that's so much of what this movie is trying to say. And we'll get into it in spoilers. 
you get people, you sit people down and you go up to your neighbor, you talk to them for a little bit and they're good, decent people. You can have a conversation. You get them scared. You get them in groups. You get them riled up. Look out. (laughs) And that's, and so much of that, you're right, is, is, it's Twitter. It's online. It's, it's oh yeah, yeah. And there's when, a lot, obviously, to be said politically. And we've we've been through an, sure, an yeah. insane couple of years here, or insane few years here, with regard to the divisiveness of of what's going on in the country in a few different ways. And we're still seeing it. And 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 this movie's saying some stuff about that in terms of like one one person mm-hmm. or one event or whatever can can make people lose it. Yeah. So. All right, let's do this. Let's, so okay. this is going to be a beast of an episode. Here comes the spoiler. So here come the spoilers. We're going to go through. Right. I've, I had it in three groups here. Let's do it. We are going to start with what I called the townies. The townies. These yes. are the people that, and some are a little bit question mark, but I didn't really know which other. I've got three groups. I didn't know which other ones to. These put are like either. the supporting characters. <laughs> yes. yes, for the most part. These yeah. are supporting characters. Um, these are. Yeah, mostly supporting characters. There's a couple returning characters. There's some brand new characters that get a decent amount of screen time. But let's start with Brian the bartender, played by Brian Mays Sr. So That guy that guy must be just the like the guy who runs the bar. So this guy, right? uh, Brian Mays Sr., he's actually a friend of uh, David Gordy Green. Okay. Who lives in Austin. He runs he owns a bar in Austin. Okay, because he just seemed like a guy. <laughs> he's in another Which movie. Is fine. He's in another movie called Joe. Uh, with Nicolas Cage, and that okay. I think shot in Austin. So I'm okay. guessing he plays a bartender there, but I, I had to know more about him. I We don't have to say a lot about a lot of these characters. I wanted to bring this up, though, too, because I want to talk about the bar for a second, because it does look like it's in, I don't want to say a bad part of town, but it seems like it's not in the like the downtown area. It's off the beaten path a little bit. It's a bit of a hole in the wall. It's a bit of a, it's yeah. a bit of a hole in the wall. Um, the type of people that go there are. I've been to working, bars like that. Yes, working class people. Yeah, it, uh, go to this bar, and because I think that plays into a lot of what the movie is saying towards the end. So I wanted to bring that up. And, sure. Yep, because they're all together, and that's where this kind of thing starts. He's fun. I can't understand a word he's saying most of the time. That's the other reason I wanted to bring this up. We joke about what is it, Jersey Tucky, in Friday yeah. the Thirteenth. So Haddonfield is in Illinois. It's a suburb. Of, yes, we, yes. Well, yeah, we have confirmation of this at least. Yes, but it's crazy because he says he doesn't he say he's owned the bar for fifty years. Yeah, he's owned the bar for fifty years. He has like a Louisiana accent. Am I wrong? I think. <laughs> well, I, don't know. I guess you know what. It's 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 a Texas accent probably too, but you know what? Louisiana and Texas are close to each other, so I, it's a, probably a hybrid. It's I guess. some sort of southern accent. I mean, I, I I'm from the Midwest, so like all southern accents are some very small variation on the same. I just go it's a southern accent. Yeah. I'm not good at differentiating between a Texas versus a. The only reason I say yeah. Louisiana is because it's got that. It's got a little bit of the bayou <laughs> type. That, that bayou, vibe. that little bit yeah. of that French tinge to him too. Yes, but he's awesome. And he's oh, got he a, rules. He, what's his uh? What's his bat's name? Oh God! Um, I don't remember what it Shoot. is. I have it written down somewhere. But, yeah, I can't uh, remember. <laughs> that bat gets carried around a lot. Yes. Um, so we'll move on, and hopefully the bat name comes to me. Unless you have anything more to say about Brian the bartender, but I wanted to bring him up for those two reasons because I think he, I think in its own way his bar plays into kind of the themes of the movie. No, he's fun. Um, Christy, Mindy, and Dennis. This these are Salem Collins, Giselle Witt, Jay Gavin Wild. These are the trick or treaters that are wearing the silver shamrock masks. In the movie, oh, the three kids. I wanted to bring them up real quick now uh, because Silver Shamrock is canon in this universe, and we needed we need to talk about that. So, Old Huckleberry, thank you so much. 
because it, it, it made me think of the I'll be your Huckleberry. Ah, yeah, good yeah. call. Um, so Silver Shamrock is canon in this universe. It has to be. So do you think we're ever going to get this down the line? In the- <laughs> I can only hope Halloween Ends is somehow finally bringing the two together. Maybe that was the whole, like, that's the final, like, maybe like David Gordon Green and Danny McBride and the creatives were like, we made this first one. It was a lot of fun. Like, I get, you know, they want us to make a second one. Okay, we'll do it. We're just going to go crazy and have, go balls to the wall. You know, we're going to make a Friday the 13th movie by way of Halloween and just have fun. And the third one, maybe they're like, we're finally going to like do something that we never, like the fans never thought could be done. We're going to finally make Halloween three part of the full Halloween saga. Do some sort of like multiverse deal. Yeah. (laughs) It's got to be it. (laughs) Did you get the same joy out of seeing the Silver Shamrock mask? Oh, I always do. I, you know, they, they were in the last one, right? Itself. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. Yeah, those kids are in the in the last. Movie. But we don't we see the we get the shot of the logo, the Silver Shamrock logo. I believe so. Yeah. That Halloween three is so funny because it's it's like one of those movies where like a lot of horror movies from that era get reappraised now, mm-hmm. and some very rightfully so, and some I would argue. Let's cut it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not everything needs a reappraisal. Yeah. Halloween 3 is like the best example of a reappraisal yeah. in terms of, I think, like, man, that thing got shit on when it first came out. Even I was like, this movie sucks. Like, yeah. you know, as a kid, I was like, Ugh, I'm not renting Halloween 3. But like, over the years, like, Halloween 3 is so special. And yeah. it's it's become such a, it's such an important part of Halloween. Like, the the iconography of that movie is almost more important in some ways than Michael Myers now. It's funny, isn't it? The, the funniest thing about it to me, too, is it. I love Halloween 3. Um, I never loved it, though, because I thought it was a really good movie. <laughs> like, I just loved it because it was so bizarre half the time. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, it's yeah, so yeah. bizarre and mean. Like, I don't think Halloween 3 is, like, a great horror no, movie. No. Like, not... I think it's got some issues, but... <laughs> but no, but it's, it's so weird. It's so weird and out there and mean. Like, yeah, and it's cool. Like, it's, it's kind of a such a great score. Uh, it does Atkins. have a great score. The score rules. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. So, we, we've we said enough about that trick or treat. No, they're, they're, they're cool. I mean, they, they get they, killed. Uh, yeah, they get killed. It's, they're kind of funny. It's fun to see them, the masks pop up again. It's fun to see Michael interact with the masks. That's what's kind of cool. Is like here's Michael Myers like touching a silver yeah. shamrock mask. Like, yeah. how cool is that? <laughs> kind of oh, neat. The other thing I wanted to bring about that too is uh, they remember the trick part of trick or treat because they play a trick on Big John and Little John. They do. They do with the yes. razor blade. Yeah. The yes, they do. Apple. Yeah. Yep, that's right. And Michael, <laughs> Michael remembers how to trick. He does. That's the other thing. Too. You like playful Michael. Playful Michael is back in full force here. He is. He's playful and he's pissed. <laughs> he, you get a little bit of both. Like you get the playful, like the, the the carpenter stuff where he's like setting up bodies in certain ways and like decorating around the house and stuff. But you get a little bit of zombie Michael too, where he's like just like crushing heads and shit. Like so, you get the best of both worlds. Uh, so we mentioned the, these next two characters when we talked about Christy Minion Dennis. I want to talk about Big John and Little John. Oh my god, Scott MacArthur and Michael McDonald. Oh my god, it's Big John and Little John. Okay, so they are a they're a couple. That yes. has moved into the Myers house, and they have uh, they have fixed it up a little bit. Um, I kind of loved this. I loved the like the redecorating, um, the re 
whatever you call it. <laughs> well, they <laughs> kind of they, they refurb the refurb the, the Myers Re- house, because which was a mess the last time we saw it. The flash, and I think the flashbacks actually do a good job of conveying because it's like a it's like a tomb in there, and those yeah, flashbacks. It's, it's yeah. very cold, and mm-hmm. you get in there now, and it's this place of love, and they have and pictures warm, all over, and, and it's this yeah, <laughs> and they're they're having the introduction to him is fantastic. He's listening to this awesome song, and he's yeah. down there cutting like charcuterie boards and stuff. They're having a nice night together, and yeah. they're gonna watch a movie, and they're handing out trick or treaters. All of this love has taken over the Myers household, <laughs> right. and they die horribly. <laughs> and Michael, um, and Michael poses them in a picture he sees just because he thinks it's funny. <laughs> I know what a dick. Um, do we spend probably too much time with Big John, Little no. John? <laughs> well, the answer is no. But for the for the for the purpose of the movie, do we linger with Big John and Little John more than we probably should? Yeah, probably. I love them. I would watch a movie just about these two. Um, I hope they survived. I don't know how that's possible, but I hope they did. Um, Remember when we did those Friday the 13th streaming service ideas? This streaming is, shows? I would like a show about I'd watch two. this. Yep. Um, they're wonderful. I love, I, I really, I've always liked both actors. Um, I, I have a ton of funny, with anything they do, I, I, I enjoy watching them. Um, they're fun together. They're funny. They're silly. They feel like borderline like Rob Zombie characters a little bit because they're so they're kind of like where why are these guys in this movie right now? Like where are they? Like how are they related to the plot? Obviously, it comes back around to where like you you know when when the Myers house comes into play, they so they almost feel like Rob Zombie characters in that sense where like there's a lot of like weirdly disposable characters in the Rob Zombie movies. The difference here is none of the the and I'm using air quotes, disposable characters in the Rob Zombie movies are likable or enjoyable to be around. You're just waiting for them to get killed. Big John and Little John are like a, a delight. Like I, like, I like spending time with these two characters because yeah. they're, pl- they're, just, they're just cool. Like, they're nice. They seem like good guys. And like, I don't know. They just seem like like decent guys and uh, they seem like like the, 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 the model citizens that you want from Haddonfield. Unlike what Tommy Doyle leads over the course of the movie like they are like just good people who like living in a small town it's quiet and peaceful and their 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 peaceful life is destroyed because of where they chose to live it's kind of nice seeing like a diverse head and feel a diverse head well that is too right yeah yeah I mean like there were moments where I was like I thought they were gonna flirt with a lot of the depiction of of gay men in horror movies and in movies in general for a long time tends to be flamboyant it's always flamboyant Mm -hmm. it's it's over the top and that's like there are flamboyant gay men i think that 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 is a thing that exists i've met flamboyant gay men but not all gay men are flamboyant and and those stereotypes that you see in a lot of those films in the horror genre or earlier just in film in general i was worried we were gonna go there with this and i'm like "Ah, that's a bummer like we don't need to do that but they feel like real people that just like they 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 love each other and they have a it seems like they have a nice life together and I don't know it was nice it was refreshing I thought it's too bad they're victims but that also felt kind of okay because it was like we got a whole story oh we got to spend some time with them I, they, yeah they well, get a, they get kind of a a nice little tale I guess. It doesn't the, end well but the, the other thing I wanted to touch on with them too is that I I really like about this movie is and it's one of the other points this movie is trying to make is I'm not sick of Laurie. But I'm kind of sick of Laurie, <laughs> and I liked Michael killing randos again, <laughs> like just like people we meet, like different characters. Like he's not just yeah. after Laurie. Michael's out to kill a lot of people, and I want to meet other people too. Well, we have the same. Unfortunately, sometimes with these franchises, 
studios or the people in charge or the people making decisions get too hung up on what they think is crucial to the franchise. I can think of two more examples quickly. So we have Laurie with Halloween where like, I love Jimmy Lee. I love the Laurie character, but I don't think we need the Laurie character for a Halloween movie to work. I don't. I think we've seen him work before. I think Halloween four is actually pretty strong without Laurie. Um, Alien, another franchise. I don't think we need Ripley to make a good alien story. And then Terminator is another one I always think of. We yeah, don't that's need the good, Connors. Yeah, that's a good example. I just make a Terminator movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, all right. So a couple more, uh, a couple more couples here. I want to touch on real quick. Yes. Um, first up, and the reason I bring them up is more for a certain scene. But Phil and Sandra. Phil and Sandra are the couple: Lenny Clark and Diva Tyler. The, this is the couple who we are introduced to. They're flying the drone around, and um, the nurse, the yes. nurses, the doctor and the nurse, right? No, no, this is uh, the older couple. Oh, the older couple. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is the one where Michael is in their house. Did you catch she was in the uh, Halloween 2018? Was she? She is the person who's taking them to the grave of Judith Miters, the journalists. Oh, so she is another returning. Yes, you're right. So she cool. is returning. The, yeah. yeah, Diva Tyler. Kind of fun. Um, you brought this up, and it's something I like about actually both movies, because they do this in 2018, too, is we kind of meet these people in the middle of them, and it's the same thing with um, the Johns. Um, we meet them in the middle of them just like having a night together and yeah. being a couple. Like She's flying a drone around, and um, Phil, Lenny, Lenny Clark comes in, and he's he, want, he wants to fly the drone around with her, and we kind of... in. In these moments, we see that they're a real couple, and like they they love each other, and they <laughs> they like be around each other. And now we're gonna watch them get horribly murdered, <laughs> and boy, do they! So this is where Michael goes all MDK, uh, Nick Gage. And oh my god! He snaps a light tube down on the uh, thing, and sta- that's my that's my favorite Michael kill. In it's this insane. Movie. It's dude. not my favorite death in this movie. <laughs> that was the moment in this movie where I went, "Holy shit!" Like, there was already crazy stuff ahead of time. The firefighter kills and whatnot were nuts. But I'm like, okay, the firefighter kills are an isolated incident, right? Like, they're just, they're setting us up because, like, they want to, like, Michael's return after a few years of being, you know, uh, off the screen to to really make an impact. So he's going to kill some firefighters. We'll get back to basics. The second he snapped that light tube and hit her with it, I was like, this is insanity. Like, we are are going for it now. Mm -hmm. And then, (laughs) as she's dying, this is the honestly is this the most insane moment in a Halloween movie? It's fucking nuts, but it's also kind of awesome. It's incredible. So, I've never even thought of something like this. Right. So here's the thing, right? So we're back to ba- this I love this moment. Cuz first of all because I was shocked and also laughing my ass off at it. But the more I think about it, the more rad it is because I've always thought specifically specifically about Michael Myers for some reason like what does he do like I don't know. Like, what is he thinking? Like, what is he planning? Like, he clearly has a plan in his mind, and he plays those tricks, like we talked about. Like the smart, the smart Michael from the from the better Halloween movies. He like he does more than just stab people to death. He's got a plan, and he's got a, his so his certain like. There's a certain architecture in his mind for how he wants his night to work out. Right? There's a reason for yeah. why he's doing. We don't understand it. Loomis doesn't understand it. Lori doesn't understand it. She thinks she does, but we will never know. And that's what makes him scary. This is one of those very, maybe one of the only moments where we get to see that, see him working things out like behind the scenes in a way, like through the, through the hazy dying eyes of like this woman who's just been stabbed with a light tube and is now watching her husband be murdered. Yes. He's testing. He's, and he, that's what he's doing. He's He's testing testing knives. Yeah. 
to figure out which one he wants to use for the rest of the night. It's fucking nuts, dude. It's, it's the, nuts. It's serious. Like I was, I was like I was taken aback. I I gasped during this. And I both you. I started laughing at the audacity of this because it's crazy. <laughs> but it also is kind of awesome. Like it's a great character a sick, moment. It is. Yeah. Like this is Michael. This is Michael. This is the stuff we see in between the kills. That we, that we we never see in between the kills is what I mean. This is the stuff that you don't see. This is the stuff you, that, that he's doing in between. Like so, you get that brief moment of like. This is like this is somebody with a brain who's trying to yes he is like pure evil and stuff but there is there's there are gears turning in there somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah and when like this is the beginning of his masterpiece is what as Laurie refers to it yeah. later on like this is this is the start of it. Um the second one who you talk about uh, mentioned a little this is Marcus and Vanessa this is Michael Smallwood and yes. Carmela McNeil. They're the ones we meet there in 2018 too. We see for I think during that tracking shot. They just get into a car basically. Yeah, yeah. they get into a car there. I at, like this stuff. <laughs> too, yeah. The connectivity. Yeah. This is another one we meet uh, apparently his boss Marcus's boss has invited them to had invited them to an orgy. Earlier, ah uh, yes, I, I believe or some sort delightful of, or some sort of group thing with okay. just the two of them and him. No judgment, and, I mean, and, no, no, no judgment there. But uh, well, judgment because uh, they did not seem very into it, so they left. Well, yeah, I mean, went you know, to the if bar. you're going to invite somebody or you give him a heads up about what you're inviting him to. That that that. Well, then I guess it might not be because I guess technically an orgy is four, right? Because uh, yeah, yeah, a threesome a, would be yeah. a three. I don't think a threesome is. An I don't know what's the definition. Probably just group sex, right? I think <laughs> I'll look it up. Continue. Well, yeah, yeah, make sure to look up. Uh, make sure you're signed into your Google account when you look. Oh up Jesus! Group yeah. Sex. <laughs> anyway, um, there's a moment to. There are a couple character moments w- with them as well. Uh, they're not my favorite characters in the movie because some of it does a lot of what they bring up with them like she calls into question his masculinity early on and he that's when he turns around to the group who's celebrating um halloween together that's the group of tommy and um Lindsay. a wild party especially one in which people have sex with each other that's that's the definition so a wild party um but it like her calling out his masculinity never really leads anywhere there are a no. couple of moments later on i bring them up mainly for two reasons they're the ones who mentioned julian uh from part one and we get to see him oh who is our favorite character? Thank I God think. he's safe. <laughs> Thank God he's safe. And they call him. It's it's one of the funniest movies. The most of the movie he recognizes. Marcus recognizes. Him. He goes, "This is a little asshole kid from across." The it's street. so sweet. Yeah, because you know, like Julian's kind of like a pain in the ass yeah. to live around. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. And um, also, she has the death of the movie where I thought like I was oh gonna my wake God. Your, I was going to wake your neighbors up. Oh know, my God. We were watching this in your garage because I laughed so loud. So his is insane. With his eyeball basically dangling after he... I mean, like, it's so mean, again. It's so gross, but so good. Hers is, like, the meanest shit. So he... This is Michael... He's killed with a gun one other time, and I think it's in four or five. I'm so blanking. he does not... Okay. He doesn't shoot the gun. He stabs her with a gun, which is so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but this... This might even be But he didn't even really kill her. He like, kicks the door. He kicks the door open on the car as she's holding the gun, and because, and this is just the perfect micro example of what they're doing with this mob mentality thing, is you've got these morons who think that they're Rambo, who are running around pointing guns and trying to kill Michael Myers or people (laughs) that they think are Michael Myers, and are failing miserably (laughs) and horribly. (laughs) 
Um, this, is, this is seriously one of the more nealistic, like, meanest movies ever. <laughs> and it's pretty great for that. Um, but it weirdly has this, like, we talk about, it has these weird human moments. It does. It's where weird. you feel for What these. a weird movie. Um, but, like, yeah, because anybody who doesn't get, anybody who's just enjoying their lives and doesn't get sucked into the mob mentality, like, they still get killed. Uh, we all die in the end, right? Yeah. But at least they get to enjoy their final moments before right. the, the chaos. The rest of them spend their rest of their, their, their lives like angry. miserable and angry at everything. Mm. Just spend your life enjoying it. You're going to die, yes. Hopefully, Hopefully not like this. Hopefully they're in a better place. Now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, he kicks the door open and knocks her back and she like shoots herself in the head. And his reaction to it is the funniest thing. Michael? Because he kind of stares like, what? Like he does, he looks down and like, oh shit! <laughs> so he's almost like, what an idiot! Like, yeah, yeah, they're like, or like, how did that even happen? Like he's kind of looking at her like, is that that's that's a gun? Like that's a guns do? It's amazing. <laughs> so that's uh, anything else to say about those two? No, okay. no, they have great death scenes. Two real quick ones here, and then we'll move on to the seventy-eight crew. But uh, Sheriff Sheriff Barker, Omar J. Dorsey, he was in the first one as well. He's, he's awesome, the, the dude with the cow. Yeah, he just looks cool. He, he can just, never die. Um, he's also plays into the uh, head and tucky version. Yeah, of this because I don't know why he's. <laughs> I lived in Illinois for a little bit. I don't remember a ton of cowboy hats, but I'm not saying it's not possible. No, it is. It, it just adds a little flair to the guy. I like. Yeah. I, yeah, he's fun. I liked I, his brief interac- interaction with Brackett too. I just thought it was kind of neat as yeah. seeing those two. What were you saying? Sorry. No, no, no. He's he's funny. I, I he can't die. Leave and him I th- alone. I threw this next one in here as a townie, but this is Cameron Elam, who is Dylan uh, Arnold from the first one, and so he's the he's kind of when we leave him, he's the shitty boyfriend. But this one we pick up with him, and he's kind of our our gateway into knowing that this is picking up right after the events of the first one because he's still in his. He's like the first living character you see, I think, and he's still in his Bonnie yes. garb. Um, he's still dressed as Bonnie from their Bonnie and Clyde. This is a little bit. This is whole movie is kind of a redemption for him, and it kind of plays into this the weird softer human touch this movie has. It's where, funny, like, yeah. It's funny because I remember a ton of people complaining online after that first movie came out about like how could they not kill the douchey boyfriend? Yeah, and 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 people arguing back and saying, well, that's never really been what Halloween's about. That's a Friday the Thirteenth thing. Like you kill the bad guy, but like. Halloween, and then in this one, I think that that I feel like that was almost a reaction to it. it was like we're gonna show you, like we're gonna make you care about this guy, yeah. and then we're gonna kill him. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's also gonna die like a hero's death too. But kind of, <laughs> I mean, like that is the meanest death, almost, isn't it? Which one? This is the one where he's looking. He gets slammed a thousand times in that staircase. Yeah, but he's looking. He he does it as in a way to kind of try to help save. Oh, he totally. No, he's yeah. a hero for sure. But like, it's so mean. <laughs> yeah, he gets punished for it. Yeah, and he doesn't he, just get stabbed once or twice. He gets his neck smashed against that. And he's that. looking down at her as oh, he dies. Oh, that's so mean. <laughs> this is a mean fucking movie, dude. All right. So, we've touched on what we call the townies. What we yes. refer to as the townies. Let's go to the 78 crew real quick. So, these are characters either we meet for the first time in this movie. Okay. Or have connections to the events the in the original okay. Halloween movie. All right. All right. So first up is Pete McCabe. This is played by uh, he's played by Jim Cummings. This is the character who Hawkins shoots in the beginning of the movie. Um, this is the one who goes in there with Hawkins. Oh and yeah, he's being yeah, choked yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. This uh, Jim Cummings, by the way, is in a movie called The Wolf of Snow Hollow that came out last year that I really loved. Oh. Um, so check that out. Um. But this, he is also that first scene is kind of our window into those seventy-eight flashbacks and how they how they go about doing doing it. Um, so there is some there's this weird 
throughout the it's throughout the entire series too, which is weird. There's this weird like nature versus nurture stuff, and the the nurture stuff is more in the zombie movies, weirdly enough. Um, oh yeah, 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 for sure. And, but this one is this one feels more like '78 in that Michael's a force of nature, like yeah. he's evil, and when you have the chance to take down evil, you cannot hesitate. And yeah, or, or, or you're, or, yeah, or people are going to pay for it, or people yeah. are going to pay. So that's a little bit. And what did you think of like the the first scene, the flashback to seventy eight, the look of it, the feel of it? How did you uh, how did you feel about those flashback scenes? The flashback stuff was awesome. Um, I, one of the things I hated about twenty eighteen was the base idea that like Michael just got arrested that night. <laughs> it's a bummer to me. I'm like, okay, like. Because that ending of seventy eight works so well, and maybe that's why none of the sequels will work because it's such a it's such a weirdly like satisfying ending, despite the fact that it's completely open ended. It's such a great ending, and such a cinematic ending that like nothing that can be explained as the following events would ever be good enough to live up to that. The moment that that body disappears from the t- underneath the terrace, like that's the ending of Halloween. So anything that comes after is always going to be a little bit deflated. Um, so I actually appreciated in this one that we see a little bit more of what exactly happened. I actually kind of dug that. Right. It made me feel, if anything, retroactively better about the explanation in 2018 for what took place that night in 78 after the credits rolled on Halloween. I love the look of it. I think it fits and it feels like legitimately feels... I feel like sometimes when like filmmakers try to like go back and make movies now that are supposed to feel like of a certain time... Or match up with a certain thing, they they don't succeed. I think this one actually did pretty well. I love. Um, I think it's at the end of the first flashback with that track that well, shot away, it, like it pulls away. It feels like the beginning of the first movie. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's echoing back to that, right? It's like the yeah. original the original movie. Obviously, like yeah, you open with the with the young boy in the, on the sidewalk and his parents are rolling up. This one, you have the cops approaching him on the same sidewalk. I would think ends is going to end, panning out from there. With perhaps a dead Michael laying on the sidewalk there, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just my speculation. But anyway, um, what I don't—the uh, look of it and the feel of it—is great. What I don't love about it, the the <laughs> the Hawkins shooting his partner stuff is so just stupid and like unnecessary and serves no real purpose in this movie to me. Like uh, maybe I'm missing something. I, no, I don't think you're missing. Something. I didn't need any of it. Yeah. I thought it just felt like extra crap in there that was unnecessary and kind of make Hawk makes Hawkins look like adult and like not. <laughs> Like I like I liked Hawkins in 2018. I was bummed that he let's, got killed. Are you good to jump to Hawkins? Now? Sure. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're done with McCabe. Yeah, let's jump to Hawkins now. I, I liked Hawkins in 2018. I like Will Patton a lot. I actually like his chemistry with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis quite a bit. I'm excited to see hopefully that move forward and go somewhere in in the next film. I enjoyed I enjoyed it in this one. I'm happy they kept him alive. Me too. Yeah. I didn't expect it. Right. I didn't expect it, but he was in none of the marketing and stuff, which is pretty great. But here he is back, right? I was psyched about that. And you're going to hear no complaints from me. My complaints are I like the character and like the flashback stuff just kind of made him like I, me like him not quite as much because like, this guy sucks. Like shoots his partner because he's a dumbass and then he covers it up. Like, I don't know. That uh, stuff is uh, that stuff was, is kind of convoluted and silly. I'm with you. That that I like the 78 flashbacks quite a love bit. It, and love it. the look of it, I like I like the part with Lonnie quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am. I'm with you. I am less crazy about that Hawkins. Like that take Hawkins the shot. Co- <laughs> yeah. stupid. None, none of that was necessary. And I, I, my only thought is they included it as part of like a 
showing us that there's always been evil and, and darkness lurking in the small town of Haddonfield right behind our eyes. And it's, you know, like things like the police force covering up this horrible shooting and things like, yeah. like even small towns have a darkness inside of them kind of thing. The only other thing too, that I think they, tr- that the movie tries to do later on between him and Lori in the conversation they have later is there's a weird, not weird. Sorry. I keep saying weird, but there's a general generational kind of clash where the older um, generation of Haddonfield kind of comes to grips with the fact like they had a chance to stop this and they had a chance to put an end to it that night and even Hawkins he's blaming himself too for Michael and hurt him and Lori kind of come to grips with the fact like this thing is still out there and a lot of it is because of us and that's cool and I think it's cool I just uh, yeah I think that's cool but he explained that in the first in 2018 he literally says I'm the one that stopped Loomis from killing Michael that night. I should have just let him do it. Right. That was enough reason for him to feel guilt. He didn't need to kill his partner. On it, just felt too much to me. It was. It was kind of just like, why are we? Doing like it? it's a, yeah. It is a lot of that stuff is really it, it's unnecessary, and it's silly, and yeah, yeah, I'm with you. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you about though too here is, um, so I need to know he has that conversation about seeing Lori in the bar, um, and how like he, they were going to they kissed that night in the bar. And I think it's kind of a sweet and kind of nice conversation. What is the timeline of this? Like okay. hitting that match? It's it got to be after Halloween because he's talking about, she's still sweet on Ben Tramer, right? But she's in the bar, but could, it was 18 years old. Could you be in a bar at that point? Yeah. No, no, no. Did they? So <laughs> in 78, that was when they changed it from 18 to 21. Oh no. In 79. So they could, that's been. right. They could, because been. I remember my mom was able to drink, from 18 to 19 and then the second she turned 19 they were like you can't drink anymore so they could have been in the bar in 78 but Lori wasn't that she didn't ever but if she was sweet on ben tramer and ben tramer was there maybe she went to ben tramer's karen's dad right we've this is one thing i got from the novelization is and i didn't really get this so she's been no laurie's been married twice but um, neither husband of hers I never thought of that has been they say it in the novelization so and I think it's kind of hinted at here too but they say it in the novelization because I don't know how her age, age match up that Karen's father is neither man she married Lori so dude <laughs> so I kind of think maybe it was a a fling with Ben Tramer that would add up because what would Karen be around this time in her late thirties, probably right? Because yeah, Allison would be a teenager. Yeah, maybe maybe early forties. Yes. <laughs> so oh, I shit. think the timeline. I never I, thought of that. I think it's heavily, and that's why I wanted to bring that conversation up. Is I think it heavily hints at is Ben Tramer going to show up in the next one as like a character? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh-huh. So there we go. You got anything else to say about? No, uh, Will Pem is great. By the way, he's always awesome. He rules. This this podcast loves. You're sports. killing me. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> you remember that? Remember that? Yeah. Um, One of the great Will Patton performances. <laughs> <laughs> I love Will Patton. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I sat by Joe uh, during the movie, and Joe is a big uh, Remember the Titans fan. Oh, he's great. And man. he just kept quoting Will Patton from Remember the Titans. The entire movie. God, I love you, Joe. <laughs> Uh, real quick here, because I don't have a ton here on Sheriff Brackett. Once again, to play uh, by the wonderful Charles Cyphers. He doesn't have a ton to do here. He gets to say crazy stuff like, evil die, said I. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> he He's a callback to his one good scare. Line, he, it's so bad, though. <laughs> I'm sorry, it is. It's nice to see him again. It's gr- 
it, it is. If I'm being completely honest, I almost wish he wasn't in this. It just feels weird to me. And just kind of like, I mean, other than like, a, hey, look, it's Charles Cyphers is back. Is I guess it's nice to see him, but like, I don't know. I just. I think there's a moment in the hospital when the ro- mob's getting riled up where he, when he says evil dies tonight, it kind of feels like an authority figure, like giving permission to the rest of these people to just sure, like, sure, sure, join sure. in. Yeah. But, but I, yeah. I love Charles Cyphers. So I do like, too. I, I, love... I really do. I just, I wish he had something to do. I guess there's just like, it just feels weird that like brackets in this and does like accomplishes, like there's just nothing. Because the bracket story the meanness, so yeah. with Annie and stuff is so tragic. And a lot of the, like, rege- I've been reading that rejected, not rejected, but unproduced Halloween scripts. And a lot of them f- focus on. Uh, but I think maybe my preferred uh, bracket stories in the zombie movies, though, just because. Well, uh, Dorf is incredible. Dorf, Dorf brings it in part two. He's really good. He's the best part of part two. Yeah, so. He's really great. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, Charles Severs, I always like seeing him, but I just. It's a, Bracket was just weird in this one. I, I couldn't wrap my head around her, him, and another character that we'll we'll talk about. Where I was like, I don't know, like why are they in this? It just feels interesting. Interesting. Let's okay. So let's get to the meat of the uh, yeah, 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 crew. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Tommy Doyle, played by Anthony Michael, okay. not Paul Rudd. I know Steve wanted us to uh, last week talk about casting decisions or like fantasy cats. What do you think? I would Paul have Rudd? laughed too hard. I could, yeah. at Paul Rudd as this Tommy Doyle. <laughs> I could like die. the whole thing would play as a comedy to me. Um, there's a ruggedness to uh, the current Anthony Michael Hall that yeah. Paul Rudd just can't like. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall feels like what kind of a like a a a, a townie um, version of Tommy Doyle would be, who's who like spends his time at the bars and yeah. working uh, working during the day and yeah. hitting the bars at night. He looks like yeah. that kind. Who's of guy. been through some shit? And, yes. Yeah. Who's lived a life? Yeah. No, I like Tommy and so this. Tommy is basically he's like a he's kind he's the mob leader he's kind of a cult leader he's he's a, a fucking nerd he's though. a presidential candidate <laughs> he's a nerd though he thinks he's he just he think he really truly believes that he's what he's doing is the smart play and that he truly believes in what he's doing right up until the end he he which is almost makes him sadder and scarier as a character because he really thinks that he's got this thing handled. He's the one who's going to do it. He's going to be the hero. He's the superhero here at the comic books about when he was a kid. Like it's his destiny to, you know, he lived through this and it's his destiny to put an end to it. And he's wrong. And he leads a lot of people to their deaths because he is wrong and he's misguided and he's not, and there's even a moment later. He's um, not as smart as he thinks he is. It, where he he even tries, like, even after he's proven wrong, he tries to convince himself that maybe he's still right. Yeah. And it, he's not. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, he gets sm- head smashed in with a baseball bat with old Huckleberry. Yes. Uh, no, he's an idiot. And it's kind of like, like, but a sympathetic idiot. I was going to say, the, the movie. It's not mean to Tommy, and no. I don't think it needs to be. Like, Tommy's just he's a not sca- a bad guy. He's a scared dude. <laughs> he's a yeah. He's scared and he's and rightfully so. And he thinks what he is doing is right, and it's not right. And no one call instead of calling him on it, people buy into his bullshit. 
Because they're all scared as well. Because we are we are dealing that hospital, the first hospital scene. We're going to talk about another hospital scene a little <laughs> bit later. But the first one, like when everybody's filing in after Michael's like uh, Michael's reign of terror at night, and everybody's kind of like fi- filing in. It's it's like a natural disaster has has yeah. occurred in Haddonfield, and everybody's found. So everybody in that hospital is scared. Everybody in town is terrified. scared. They're terrified because this maniac is on the loose. And I don't want to say like I don't necessarily think he's uh, takes advantage of it because he's scared too. But like he doesn't know how to deal with this other than like let's go let's go kill him like let's go kill. <laughs> he's been living Brute with force. the same fear that Laurie's been living with for his whole life. Yeah, in a lot of ways, you know. And whereas Laurie prepared in in confinement and in solitary, and she prepared on her own and was very very um, removed from society and doing it. Uh, Tommy is kind of in like it seems like internally preparing for it and is like not even like con- consciously thinking about it all the time but there's always been that bit of him that's like it's I'm going to compare it to something and I hope this doesn't come off as distasteful I really hope it doesn't anytime somebody talks about an attack of any sort whether it's a it's it, any sort of shooting or 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 you always hear somebody inevitably go, "Boy, if I had been there, I would have put a stop to that." No, I know exactly where you say it because it's like a, um, like on nine eleven. I heard that a lot. Is like if I was on that plane, I would have taken them, box cutters, taken them out. I would have, I would have taken. You care hear of that? Business. Yeah. You hear that? And I appreciate the gusto and the sentiment of like you think you were going to save the day. It's great in theory, but most of the time. <laughs> People that do that tend to make situations even worse mm-hmm. a lot of the time. I'm not saying it's always the case. I'm saying people with that mentality who carry that mentality with them throughout their lives oftentimes jump in headfirst into things they shouldn't be jumping headfirst into Is and it- wind up getting other people yeah, like Tommy Tommy Doyle is not like some sort of uh, like trained marine here. No. He's like a dude. He's who, a guy yeah, who, who hangs out at the bar who, who and works a day job, yeah, I assume. He's probably and, gotten a couple bar fights in his life. And that's, yeah. yeah, and he has no business being in charge of this situation. Yep. And yep. here he is. So you feel there there is a sympathy to Tommy, though, because he he's getting over his head and he's scared. Mm-hmm. And it's there is a sympathy there. And you can see, I can see a regular guy uh, getting in too deep and then you can't pull back out. And in this case, it cost him his brains, I guess. And he's afraid, I mean, and he's afraid, like I'm sure some of the the whole town is, I mean, there is a, they're afraid of their own extinction. Like they're afraid, like this, our whole way of life is going to die here because of what is happening. They're more afraid of that. Like they're afraid, they're afraid of the concept of that. And that fear leads them to destroy their town in a completely different way because Michael wins right and she Lori mentions that like this is his final this is the piece de resistance he's destroyed the town they're all crazy people <laughs> one other thing I wanted to talk to you about and just mention in general is I so uh, there's this has been a very divisive movie and I'm glad because we haven't gotten a good divisive horror movie in a while um, yeah it takes a lot to get their horror community riled up <laughs> yeah, so but uh, some people just don't like the movie and I don't whatever I, I get it I, yeah I, no I get it too I like, don't love it yeah. I think it's a lot of fun but I, I you know and I, but I do think there is a bit of a someone I saw um 
I think it was Vern, I love Vern, compared this to The Force Awakens. And I didn't read his review, so I don't know if he expanded on it. But one of the things I thought what the reaction was to is we see so many, like, 78 has become so iconic in so many ways with these characters. And just be, it's become this classic movie that's larger than life. Sure. Much like the first Star Wars. And with, uh, not Force Awakens, did I call it Force Awakens? Last Jedi. Last Jedi. Yeah. Last Jedi is the one, I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> Force Awakens had a different I knew reaction. what you meant, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last, the Last Jedi. And one of the things that The Last Jedi does is it takes, it kind of, in some ways, takes those characters from that original Star Wars, especially mm-hmm. Luke, and kind of presents him in a different light than yeah. where we laugh left him, and I think where a lot of Star Wars fans wanted to see him. This movie, too, takes those characters that... I think horror fans have kind of grown to place up on a pedestal and make them a little bit more human in a lot of ways and very flawed. And I think some of the negative reaction may, and I don't even want to say that, but I I can see similarities, but with what the reaction was to the last Jedi in that way. And, and this movie here, because yeah, I get that. And the other thing too, is I want like you go on. I know a lot of people from, when I was kids too, and I see them like on Facebook now, and I was I was cool with them back in the day, and I'm like, oh, it's kind of a bummer now. <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> I sure, sure. My, I know my Tommy Doyle's the world. There is, I've seen some of that internet reaction of like, you're taking these sacred characters and just killing them off and wasting them, and I'm like, are they sacred though? Like Tommy was a kid, like got he's a little kid that yeah. happens to be babysat by like like I mean like I get it, okay, but a lot of what people are taking as this sacred thing is the fact that. Tommy pops back up in Halloween 6. He's been uh, a character in a lot of the Halloween comic books. So much like Luke Skywalker was in a lot of the expanded universe stuff and was built up, here's the potential that they could do with Luke. Where yeah. he's this. So there's a similarity there in, in a funny way. I, I don't disagree with that. Um, my thought is, like, like anything, this is just another interpretation of that character. If you don't like it, then watch... By all means, watch Chris and Michael Myers, man. Go nuts. I'm not, I will endorse that. <laughs> That's a nice thing, too, now that we've gotten like 40 years of this and Star Wars, if you want. There's plenty of stuff out there for you to consume in this universe that has You're nothing. bound to like something. <laughs> and real quick, the uh, the suicide is too mean, right? That's the one moment where I yeah, thought this no, movie no, got yeah, to that, with, the, with the escaped. That yeah. was gross. I, like, I, I didn't inherently have a problem with the scene. With, with I mean, it did, it, I did understand it feel a little what, weirdly like... I understand what they're going for. Like this is Tommy leading them to the to the point of no return, but where they make this uh, the scared escaped patient jump out of the window. I get it. I get what get they're it. doing. Uh, I don't know that the tone of it fits this movie at all, except for being just mean. And then it just they do this weird thing where they like linger on the corpse and like show you. I think like, that the, might be it too. It's too much because like that that that's a that's not a kill like. Yes, we're watching the movie and we're going to laugh and cheer at the crazy kills, even though we're watching like nice characters get killed off and stuff. Part of the slasher celebration is the kills. You know, like it's the it's the oh shit moment when the I guess eyeball pops out or when you know Cameron gets smashed in the staircase a billion times. Well, this that- guy's kind of just like he kills himself and then you weirdly like linger and like make it look like oh look at the gore man. It's like I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things. Yeah, where it feels like the movie's questioning while you're liking what you're watching the whole time. You're like, hey, don't question me right now. Yeah, because <laughs> the, the, the thing is, like with the Johns and Phil and Sandra, like these people have lived a full life. 
like yeah. they've lived, they've lived a full happy life. This poor guy who kills it, like he's he's it's just kind of a bummer to watch him die. Well, it's the suicide thing too for me. Yes, like they like I don't know. It, <laughs> I don't know. It's I mean, too bleak. It's a bit much. For <laughs> there me. is a line, but um, I don't think we need to be lingering on that and making any sort of. I'm not going to condemn this movie for it. I just think it was kind of gross. I, in my opinion, it felt kind of, it felt for a movie that feels like it's having a good time with, with violence and the, and the genre it's playing in that felt kind of like, what are we do? What are you doing? Oh, like that should have been, that's I, like I said, I didn't mind the, the character jumping out of the window or anything like that. I just felt like the way they treated like the aftermath felt like, look at the sick kill. I was like, no, I don't know. It's kind of gross. You ready to move on to uh, Lonnie? Let's. Lonnie Elam, played by Robert Longstreet, who was mentioned in 2018 uh, yeah. as the uh, guy who sold uh, peyote to yes. us. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, he's in the 78 flashback. We mentioned it. I like the Lonnie part a lot, and I liked when he runs into the O'Doyles from uh, Billy Madison. That was insane, too. <laughs> that, how funny was that shit? That was another uh, uh, Illinois Tucky moment. <laughs> oh, and I should give because I know I'm, I'm sure Joe is listening. I should give a shout out to the best line of the movie is, uh, "Yeah, look at this sassy tackle when he opens up his tackle box." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which feels like a very Danny McBride line, and I would yeah, be shocked 100%. if he did not write that line of dialogue. Uh, what do you think of Lonnie? Lonnie rules. I, I love. Th- I, love I like Lonnie a lot. Lonnie's yeah. sweetness. Yeah. Uh, he's likable. He feels pretty real. Um. I dig that him and Tommy are buddies now. I like that there was no like because he's the bully like, in the first movie. Yeah, right? but I, I, like I could see like a lot of like temptation to like make it so that, like these two have to like unite together despite the fact that they've been rivals. All this it's not the way life works. Like yeah. you either move on and forget about each other, or like you wind up becoming friendly. That's Haddon, kind of the way yeah, Haddon, in the relationship between the people in Haddonfield and Lonnie's a good example of that. Yeah. Feels very real to me. Yeah. Like it, it's like okay, yeah, you bully me, but you know what? I like that they go, they show Lonnie getting bullied too to kind of show that cycle of how like kids bully he each wasn't other. Some sort of like, and he like, bullies the next yep. kid, and then Tommy maybe bullied the next kid. Right. Like that's how it goes, and it sucks. I yeah, but but it's there's a truth to it. Yep, Lonnie rules. Yep. Oh, and we find out that. um it was actually uh, Allison's dad. Who, uh, didn't he sell him peyote? Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> the reverse. Yeah, uh, and Lonnie, Lonnie is another sad story where it just like like it's because this movie is mean. Where it's just like, no, he, you're fucking dead. <laughs> like, at least we don't have to see him get killed off screen or on screen, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else on Lonnie? No, uh, he's, he's I fun. liked I liked the stuff with him and his. The actor's great too. Camera. Yeah, he's really good. He's a character actor. He's been in a bunch. Yeah, of stuff. A bunch I, of I think he was just in Doctor Sleep too. So, uh, he, uh, yeah. oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Lindsay, played by Kyle Richards. Um, so Lindsay's weird. She's the little girl from the first movie. She's back in this one. Mm-hmm. Lindsay, the movie, I don't Same know. Same actress, which is amazing. Yeah, and she's like a real housewife or something, right? She's in the on a TV show. Real on housewife Bravo. or something. There's a lot of those shows. I don't watch them if I'm being, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe she's, it's their fun. I don't know. Um, she's she's become famous for a second thing. Since, yes. Yeah. Since then. And a lot of these, a lot of these people have, like they couldn't get back, um, the because uh, a couple like um the kid who played uh Tommy, Tommy is, is retired from acting. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he really did much after. Yeah, so Lindsay. Anyway, back to Lindsay. Uh, the movie. By the way, of, her little sister or her her sister. I don't know. It might be younger sister. Is the ice cream girl from Assault on Precinct Thirteen? That's right. That's right. Anyway, um, the movie. I don't want to. It kind of forgets about her, but I don't know if it's on purpose or what. Lindsay is important for two reasons in this movie, though. She she's our first hint to. We talked about how Michael has his own internal logic, and we don't understand it, but Michael does. Mm-hmm. And 
she's the first one to kind of in this movie remind us like Michael really gives a shit about his mask for yep. what it, like the mask is very important. She gets away because she messes with his mask. Yeah, that's right. And the other thing is mm-hmm. she may be the smartest of all these people because she just hides for the Under rest a of fucking the, bridge. She's just like, all right, I'm I, like, and it I'm works. Away. I'm away. Cause at the end of the day, he has to see you to kill you. Yes. Like yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to wait it out. And she does. Yeah. Yeah. She's got a weird role in this movie. Yeah. I like her. Yeah. I, I do. Think, she's good. Yeah. Like I said, I think the hiding thing works <laughs> in that way, but yeah. I would assume she'll be involved in the next movie, but then also kind of like, why would she be? I don't know. If I were her, I'd just like hang out. Like I might move. Yeah. <laughs> like move away from yeah, the Why are these people still in Haddonfield? Anyway. Um, no, I like her in the movie and stuff. I guess she just, like you said, she just kind of is gone from the movie after like the first hour. So you're mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know. I don't have a ton to say about her. The performance is fine. The chase scene that sequence that she has with Michael Myers works pretty well. It's really the only chase sequence we have in this movie that I can think of. Um, well, there's an Allison chase sequence too, but no, it works. I think she's good, and I I would have liked to have seen more of her, I guess. But if there was any more of her, she probably would have been getting killed. So at least somebody makes it out of this thing. <laughs> um, you know who doesn't make it out? Marion Chambers. Played yeah. Okay. Okay. Here's yeah, the go, other go, one. Go go go. She uh, the nurse from uh, part one. She's with Doctor Loomis, of course. Yeah. And, Here's yeah. the other one where I'm with. <laughs> I'm gonna get back to the bracket thing, like. And this goes for everything I'm about to say. This for, is the other character. Everything you were I'm about to say about. for Marion goes for Bracket too. Why would this person be around still? Why in God's name would they be lingering around Haddonfield at this point? Like, literally, her only involvement with Michael Myers was that she happened to be the nurse who was driving with Loomis to go pick up Michael Myers the night he escaped. That's it. She has no further link to Michael Myers whatsoever. She was happened to be working that night. He grabbed her face and stole the car, and that was it. Okay. Why is she still around? So the movie does not do this, and I'm going to do the legwork for the movie but, for you. Once again, why why is Brackett still around? Why is he working security at the hospital? He'd be out of Haddonfield. So here's why the nurse is still around. Yeah. This is me. This is not the okay. movie, because the movie does not do this. I like to think that she heard about what happened in Haddonfield, and from Loomis, she talked to Loomis, and she heard that there were, she's a nurse, she's very caring. Okay. She cares about other people. She heard about these kids, uh, Tommy and, um, Tommy and Lindsay, who survived this traumatic night, and maybe she went to visit them, and maybe she formed a friendship with their parents, and maybe as time grew on and they got older, she formed a friendship with them, and she decided to come back um, on Halloween night, maybe, and, and have a couple drinks with them. Okay. Every sure. year, every year to kind sure. of celebrate they all survived, and maybe they formed a bond over that. Sure. Now, okay. the movie does not explain that, but... Right. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'll buy that. Uh, so, but she doesn't do anything in this movie. <laughs> she... She's a yeah. dummy. She sucks at everything and then gets killed brutally for it. That's Shit. it. Like there's no, like at least an H two O. And I'm gonna go back to H two O again because I'm gonna. I I like it. She does die in multiple timelines now. She does, which is pretty rad. <laughs> um, she's joined Jamie Lee in that. In yeah. that. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, in H two O, she gets killed off in the opening sequence. In a killer sequence, no pun intended. And she kind of fights back and kicks some ass and is, and is kind of sweet before she goes out, at least. Right. And then she just dies. I don't know. I just... If you're going to bring her back again <laughs> after her character has been killed, it, yes, in another timeline, I recognize that. But if her character's already had like a, fina- like a send-off on screen, 
You're gonna bring her like to do something with her, I guess. I'm not sure what you do with her, but like, I don't know. Can I pitch another Halloween streaming show? Sure. Maybe a Loki esque, like uh, all the variants. A hundred times. Come together. I know <laughs> which Michael Myers would win. So we've got. Listen, we've got on uh, this one. I, got, I'm gonna put this out there. This one, this Thorn one. one or Zombie one. So the the okay. So the thing with the Zombie one, he's a brute, but he is not even close to as smart as this one. This one. That's the thing. Is this one is cunning. Mm-hmm. This one is clever. This one is funny. He can take a beating too. He's got a plan. The Myers one. I'm gonna be honest. He's mostly just a brute. Yeah. Or not true. the Myers one. The, the zombie the one. Zombie one. Yeah. What about Cult of Thorn one? Oh, I guess he's. But this one's pretty supernatural too. This one takes a beating too. Like that's the thing you got to worry about with the Cult of Thorn one. Where are we going with that, Tim? What's can that? I be honest with you? Like I'm not trying. I I really like this. It's a ton- the movie's a lot of fun. Where are we going with the supernatural stuff? What are we doing? Let's uh let's save that for Michael. Okay, all put right. a pin in until Michael. Right. Um, because uh, real quick, and we'll move on to the all last right. episode yes. of Seventy Eight Crew. I like the callback with the window break, and yeah. I'm not gonna lie, sure. I fist pumped when she said, "This is for Doctor Loomis." <laughs> that shit was so stupid too. Oh uh, no, it rocked. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was so stupid. All right, let's talk about. She Lo- didn't care about Doctor Loomis. She just met the guy one time. Yeah, well, she wanted to. She, well, I guess he didn't die. He's like, I got old. Like, like <laughs> that's right. She's not getting revenge. She, he maybe had a heart attack. I don't this know. is for. Do- so let's talk about Doctor Lewis real quick. Play that by. just felt like to me. That felt like a fanfic that you'd read online in like the early two thousands. Yeah. But it made it to a finished Halloween film, and that's insane to me. Something, um, something can be stupid and also rock. So yeah, I, no, my, I, my I, point does not I, change. I do agree with you, but, <laughs> but that was for me. That was not. <laughs> uh, so Lubis played by Tom Jones Jr., who uh, oh, was shit, a set yeah. constructor. I wanted to just mention him real quick because we've seen a lot of this in Marvel movies, and I am on the record for thinking when they do de-aging. it, in Marvel, the de-aging is creepy as hell. Now, what they did in this is they did it all practical. They did it all makeup. It's fucking... Makeup and lighting. It's insane. Yeah. I don't think the voice is great. No, it's I, not. Uh, but he does, he does have a classic, like, crazy-ass Lewis line where he goes, Stand back! The evil is here! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which it's, is one of those classic, like, what the hell is crazy-ass Lewis? <laughs> Get out of here, <laughs> you goof. Because I think something, like, some people forget about when we... When we like watch movies like this and then we measure them up to the classic like sometimes Carpenter is writing some crazy shit dialogue for like uh, like Loomis Loomis is out there saying some wild stuff oh yeah if I was if I was Bracken I'd lock his ass up (laughs) it does capture that but what did you think of the flashback stuff with Loomis insane dude I I think the practical stuff honestly with a different actor is less creepy when you're de-aging and bringing back like a dead actor like that stuff is and to be fair we only get like Star Wars brief glimpses of Loomis in this I mean it's it's really it doesn't linger was one shot that kind of lingers on his face but man was it it, like it was like I loved it I was like watching it like I thought I was watching a deleted like I knew I wasn't but I was watching like a deleted scene from seven. Like it was insane to me. Because even when they de-age people, there's always that disconnect in my brain where I go, it's "The Uncanny this is, Valley." You yeah, can't. There's no. This isn't real. even the best de-aging stuff. Like someone like uh, Michael Douglas isn't like the de-aging on him and some of the Marvel stuff has been like, "Wow, wow, wow!" It's like, it's like Michael Douglas stepped out of I don't know the set of Basic Instinct, right? Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that's an Ant Man movie. I would like to see. Um. But uh, you, st- it doesn't matter. You still go. Eh, it's off. There's something off. You don't. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. 
this looked crazy good, and I love to see Loomis. I love Loomis. I love Donald Pleasance. I'm happy he's not like a character in this movie. It's a good thing because yeah, it'd feel weird. But mm-hmm. like, I do love that we get just a little bit of of Loomis in this. It's cool. And the, th- and the thing is, like, I, I um, Donald Pleasance. I mean. It, you can make the argument that maybe it's a little because he's the only one that has played, but well, I guess Malcolm McDowell has now too. But, but like you, right. like this version of Lewis, you could make an argument, I guess, that it might be like maybe he should have the legacy of playing this. But like Donald Pleasant is like, hey, it was, it was a paycheck. I played him in like six movies. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> I want to yeah. speak for him, but I think by part six he was like, they keep paying me. Yeah, yeah, you don't care. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, let's move on to the main four. Okay, let's do it. I, I've got them as the uh, the Strode women. Because I've included Michael in this too. Plus Michael. I didn't know where to put Michael, yeah, so he's in this group, and we're going to talk about him all. Let's start with Lori. Let's start with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, let's. I mean, it sounds weird, but let's get it out of the way, right? She doesn't do anything in the movie, which is fine. She really doesn't. I mean, she she spends the whole movie in the hospital. Reminds me a lot of Halloween too. Um, although mm. this time she's not getting the logo around. is the same. Yes. It's, yeah, and I <laughs> kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is great. I'm okay with her taking a back seat in this one. It bothered me not at all. Um, I think it's it actually works quite well. I don't want to get Lori fatigue. I'm sure she's going to be a the main focus of the third movie. Um, I think the scene she shares with Will Patton are really great. I think the two have really good chemistry. I'm excited to see those two work together again. I uh, buy into her convictions and... I love the idea that she thinks she's important to this and she's not. And we already kind of, in my opinion, established that in 2018. Maybe they didn't, they certainly didn't firmly tell you that. I already got the vibe in 2018. He didn't give a shit about Lori. The only reason he happened to be at Lori's house at the end is because he was following Allison. And they confirmed that in this. Like, yeah, no, he just, he was in the car. Like, he got driven there because Sartan's crazy ass thought that you mattered. You don't matter. So I really like that. That we at least hammered that home. So, yeah, th- this movie does hammer home the the fact that this series is, and it's, like you said, like, the first one is more about how it's not about her for Michael. This one is her, like, accepting, like, it's, like, it's her internalizing, like, it's not about me. Yes, yeah. and, and and there there is that, we, we, one of the things that you and I both liked about Halloween 2018 was that victim mentality of, like, oftentimes the victimizer forgets mm-hmm. their victims, they don't care. It's the person the person has to live with it and who dwells on it is the victim in this case Lori and that's the way it's been her life has been more traumatized and ho- and destroyed by that night in 1978 than Michael's has Michael's he's doing fine <laughs> so it does and it, it starts at, and I think I, I I really like the way it starts it shows her at the beginning she's at the mercy of outside forces from the start because she we when we're introduced to her she's bleeding to death in the back mm-hmm. of that truck and she's screaming like let it burn let it burn yeah. as as these firefighters go to do their job she's helpless as they go to save Michael Myers who yes. she just attempted to kill so she's helpless there then we get her in the hospital she's completely at the mercy of the hospital keeping yep. her yeah, keeping her alive and mm-hmm. and keeping there so she is constantly passive in this movie like she she doesn't do anything and I think some of it is them because this wasn't originally um meant to be a, was it meant to be a trilogy I I think they stretched some of this out to kind of fit it in they had idea an idea for two movies I think that's yeah that's, that's how I read it too. Said, so, and that, 
Yeah. So some of it is that. You can feel that a little bit. The other thing, too, I really liked about the Lori stuff in this is, so there's the idea of the, like, the final girl. And it's taken hold in horror movies. It's taken hold in horror criticism. It's taken hold in a lot of ways. And a lot of that is due to Halloween. It's due to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. It's due to all of those slashers that kind of came from that time period and those that followed. The thing is... That term didn't become accepted until like 1992 with Men, yeah. Women, and Chainsaws, the book um, by That's I right. believe Carol J. Clover. And so, like that stuff came. That final girl, quote unquote. I think a lot of it came from Scream too, with because mm-hmm. the way Scream commented on it, and and that book, like this is a burial of that idea like that she's the final girl like that there is she's, no there is no final girl no. <laughs> like just because just because there is a final girl in these horror stories just because you survived doesn't mean you're special yes like, you just you just got lucky and survived. and that that is also kind of i think a reason for what happens with Lindsay earlier in the movie like she, she in most slasher films she would have been killed in that sequence and that would have been the end of Lindsay in the movie we've watched all these other people get killed already she survives and that's just it for her like there's no she's not special there's nothing she just lived she was one of the ones who lived yeah um, we, I talked a little bit about the generation clash too, um, and how. Uh, but you, the other thing I, I do like where we leave Lori going into part three which is she's failed yeah like she is completely failed like this is uh, this is uh, go back to Star Wars. This is Empire Strikes Back. Yes, Michael has won. She spent her entire relationship with her daughter, destroying her relationship with her daughter to keep her safe from something that she thought was going to happen that has now happened, and her daughter's dead. All right, <laughs> like there's no. They, they, I mean, she, she, you, you can't fail worse than that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, anything else, or do you want to move on to? Karen? No, no, no. I'm ready. All right, Karen played by Judy Greer. I love Judy Greer. I'm not a huge Karen guy. Karen sucks. Um, <laughs> I love Judy Greer. Karen in the first movie is just like, she's just kind of mean to Lori all the time, and I get it, but because we don't get enough of what she went through as a kid and what her life has really been like because of her mother's obsession and because she's proven her mother's proven right relatively quickly in the movie... We never get a chance to really like Karen or like side with Karen on anything. She's just kind of being a wedge in between. She's being a wedge in between her mother and her daughter unfairly because of her mother having issues with her. It just, uh, yeah, I never like Karen. She just seems like she, I don't know. She never really gets to like, do, like say or do anything or dwell on the fact that all that like her husband was brutally murdered this same night. Like, yeah. I just and she blames it on Lori too, and yeah. it's weird. Yeah, I don't know. She wants like Karen. Karen wants to believe she's convinced herself. She's lied to herself, like that the world at its core is like good and decent. She wears a Christmas sweater on all the time, like uh-huh. during Halloween, to kind of prove that point. And like mm-hmm. there's a like Karen refuses to accept the fact, and Lori probably goes too far. I mean, she does go too of far. course, yeah. yeah. And I think the movie makes that point too. And maybe Allison is a good in between for them but yeah. but she's she's taken the opposite side of the spectrum of Lori, where she's just like no everything's fine people are good people are good all the time yeah. <laughs> it's christmas every day yeah i'm not a huge karen fan i love judy greer i think she's great and everything and she's good in this too yeah um i the character just doesn't has never really done anything for me i'm sad to see her get killed obviously i think i don't i 
certainly didn't. She's like, but the, her death is like um, the film because you said they drive home the point that it's not about Laurie anymore. She represent because she thinks it's about Laurie too. She's like the Halloween, like the Halloween fans that are like, no, kind of. She's that's his that's his sister, and like so they kill her. Yeah, <laughs> and they kill her like uh, Janet Lee and Psycho. And they echo the hip, you know, she dies exactly where Judith Myers died. Yes. So there's that too. Allison, played by Andy Matichek. I like her a lot. Yeah. Um, she's another character who, she has a lot to do in the movie, especially in like the last, like the third act or whatever. Mm-hmm. But she also doesn't have a lot to do in the movie. She's just kind of like aimless for the first, for the most part, for the first hour or so of the movie. This movie just wants to f- is spending its time focusing on these side characters and spending this time focusing on the Tommy stuff and really shifting its focus off of who we followed in the first movie. And that's fine. And I think part of that is kind of padding this whole thing out into three movies a little bit. Yeah. Um I'm interested to see once again where this character goes, especially now that like she's lost literally both of her parents in one night. God, both of her parents and her boyfriend and multiple of her friends her best friend and i mean like her life is over like it's been annihilated uh in 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 less than 24 hours so i'm curious to see how they check back in with her um i like the actress quite a bit and uh i thought she might actually get killed off at the end there i wasn't sure i thought it could happen i'm like man they could really go for this this could be the the, this could be the event that brings Judy Greer and Jimmy Lee Curtis's characters united under one cause, I guess. Um, but no, yeah, I I like her. We don't get an Allison, Allison's uh, what what is the the shape stocks Allison theme in this movie as much. There's one bit that's at really the good. end with her though. That's right. Yeah, the the final the music at the end where Michael is uh, chasing after her and Cameron. Okay, yeah, is really That's right. really yeah. good. There's one really weird soundtrack bit in this where I was like, "Whoa!" This I is don't. Not... Yeah, it's weird. I I don't. Nikki mentioned it, didn't she? Where she's like, yeah. "Oh, I don't like that." The score isn't as memorable, I no. think, in some ways in this one, but uh, it's less Halloweeny. Yeah, the second one kind of hit me a little bit. It hit me a little better. Yeah. So. Um, you mentioned the complete, so this one, you're right. It shifts the focus away from that, yeah. uh, that Strode trio. Right. I've seen a lot of complaints about that. And she, I understand that. That can uh, be unsatisfying. She, yeah. And she is the one where I agree with it because you wanted more of her. When I watched 2018, yeah. I kind of like when we get away, I've mentioned Lori fatigue. She's like my Luke's guy. She's like my Skywalker. She's the strongest <laughs> part of. I like the kids, the stuff that focuses on her and her friends Agreed. in 2018. I want less of the podcasters. I want mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more streamlined, streamlined Lori, and I want less of Karen too. But I, I understand Karen's isn't necessary. I want less of the podcasters. Basically, I like spending time with the kids, and yeah. maybe, this is kind of a common thing um, throughout a lot of like what I uh, throughout time. I I kind of want to see these stories, and I'm hoping Scream does this a little better. Well, this was a complaint I had with Scream Four. Is I, I'm fine. I fine seeing the older generation, but I mm-hmm. kind of want to see like kids today deal with these monsters from. You want to see a legitimately modern, a, legi- a modern version of what we've seen before. Yeah, like, in, in all those ways, that includes also focusing on um, the modern teenager. Yes, that's okay. That's good. Um, I agree. And I think also what's interesting about Allison as well, she's part of. She's she's part of the school shooting generation. She's sure. part of this generation that's been kind of 
bludgeoned by there's a desensitized thing desensitized and like i mean they've had to grow up very quick in some way so when she's confronted with michael she handles it better yeah than um her mom and her her grandma like she that she's she's a little bit she's better equipped to handle these things and then she still sees as she gives a speech she is kind of a nice in between between Lori and karen where Mm -hmm. she 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 does see people in the town she even says it um what this town has become but they're decent people that that when she's around right right and i think that's where some of the more i guess overt political stuff comes in too because i mean michael is meant to represent a certain person <laughs> in sure. some ways throwing throwing people into chaos yeah. i would say not even a certain person just say no i think just, it's, it's it it can it can just represent it, he can represent what uh, an event or a person or anything that could that all it takes is a force of some sort to get people fired up enough to make really bad decisions right yeah um so let's talk about michael Let's do it. He's played by James Jude Courtney, yep. uh, Nick Castle, and Aaron Armstrong. I, I think Aaron Armstrong played the 78 version. I, I think so. Say. Yeah. It's a different actor. Um, yes. I don't know where Nick Castle popped up in this one. He's I, he only mu- in one scene. He might be credited to maybe as like, if we get some, uh, I'd have to go back and watch some shots of like breathing too. He might be credited. Okay. He's only way. in one shot of 2018. He's credited in this one. Yeah. I'm with you. I don't know where he is. I'm just, my guess is he's in it, but I yeah. don't know where it would be. Um, Michael is hilarious in this movie. We touched on that. He's also pissed off in this movie. He's real, especially at the end. <laughs> Holy smokes! Uh, I've talked a little bit about how I think he's like the scariest in some ways since part one. What do you think of Michael? Yeah, no, I agree with all that. Uh, I really want to. I'll be honest. There's there's one thing I want to get into with you with with Michael, and, it, it. and it's the supernatural thing. Yes. So we, like I said, the the mission statement is, has been has been uh, drowned, lit on fire, put through a a wood chipper and buried deep within the earth at this point. That mission statement from 2018. What do you mean by the mission statement? This is not a back to basics, like grounded real man, Michael Myers, who's just a really scary regular guy who is, he's not a, 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 that's one of the things that, oh, he's not a supernatural force anymore. He's not, you know, he's, 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 we're, we're getting away from that. We're not making him this larger than life monster like Jason. We're getting back to the, he is that again now. Like there's so no, I guess I maybe I. I, don't I mean, he's know. getting hands blown. Up. He's, he's now he's lost two of his fingers, and he's maybe where I guess I I guess I disagree a little bit. He should the, be dead on the mission statement thing from '78 though, because he gets shot a lot. Oh no! At the end of '78, so he's a supernatural. Force. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. What I'm saying is, this is the mission statement from the 2018 thing from the same team that made this movie of like, we want to get Michael back to the. The grounded, like he's just a regular guy who snapped one day. He's not some sort of, you know, Rob Zombie, hulking tyrant right. monster, unkillable, yada yada yada. And and that that like. So I see, yeah, I I, I see what you're saying. I guess my yeah. thing is, if we're getting back to '78, I think the stuff that this gets more ba- uh, gets back to more of the '78 version mm-hmm. and less of the Rob Zombie mer- version is that nature, like that nature, because sure. Rob Zombie dug into the reasons why yes. he became. And Michael I agree Myers. with you. This is this is the pure evil Michael, which this I prefer. Is, I don't yeah, want a reason for this it. This is I, Michael Myers' yes. jaws, Love just that. death. So Love that I agree with you completely. Yeah, on that. my thing is they spent so much of 2018 mentioning how like. Michael Myers is just a man. He's just a man. He's just a man. Right. You know, uh, and maybe that was in an effort to 
show you that characters are not understanding that Loomis was right and he's more than a man. Maybe, maybe, maybe that was the point here was like to drive home the naivete of these characters that don't understand what Laurie understands and what Loomis understood and what uh, even um, Hawkins understands that it's not, he's not human. He's not right. There's something that's cool and all, but we, we've gone and I'm not complaining about it. Honestly, I'm not, I'm just saying we've gone, we're back into, yes, like he is suit. We can agree that there is no way he survived as a human being. He survived what he's been through at this point. In, no, these, in these two movies. I guess I don't need, an, like, and so I, moving forward, yeah. where I think the sequels maybe trip up a little bit for yeah. me, is they started to focus on, well, we've got to give an explanation. I don't want for, that. I don't need that. I don't need Cult of Thorn. Like, no. I can accept and I can internalize, like, no, he's just a force of evil. He like, is, he is, somehow he is the embodiment of evil in a yeah. physical form. Yes. I love it. Yeah. That's all I want. I hope they don't do any more than that. I'm a little nervous they're going to. Okay. And my only reason for being nervous for that is the window thing. Okay. I'm nervous about this, Tim, <laughs> so because... I do want to talk about that, too. They've got a plan for this. Uh, see, but I don't know if the plan isn't done, because we talked a little bit about Michael's internal logic. Uh, internal logic, and There is one. I, there is one, and the window thing doesn't... Which in some ways goes against the pure evil thing, in some ways, right? Because yeah. if he's got a logic, and he's thinking, and there's gears turning... That there's a part of him that he is, is, but there is still a human part of him as well. True, right? I think with the window, the window thing is really interesting to me because it plays into the fact that Michael, Michael wants to go back to that window for whatever reason. We don't know what it is. He knows what it is. Maybe, like maybe that's not even in his head. Maybe that's instinctual. Maybe that's just a place he wants to go back to. The yeah, that's the thing is. So the thing about Michael too with this movie is like the whole thing is they mention it many times like Michael wants to go home and I don't know what home means there's part of me like Michael wants to go back in the womb like Michael never wants to exist <laughs> like there's part of that's me that's interesting yeah. that's interesting I like that because I, they say it a lot in this movie that's interesting I don't know I feel like they're going to explain this and I almost I, I mean some explanation is okay I guess to a certain extent but I don't want it over I don't need it I'd prefer it not be and I'm worried that they're going to be too tempted to like give people some sort give of resolution. So yeah. my thing with it is what's I've heard some people also complaining not I don't care that much but I you see this stuff about like oh well if his whole goal is to just make it back to his room why is he going around and why does he just walk to his house and stand in front of his window? Well, that's dumb. Okay, calm down for a second. Yeah. That's not what they're doing. The the, the point here is he <laughs> he killed his sister and in 78 in that room right in front of that window and so that for whatever reason that first kill is a special something they did say right. in this though that she was in front of the window mm-hmm. it's almost like he killed her because he wanted to get the elf out of the way <laughs> <laughs> almost right right but anyway so the the time he broke out in 78 and the time he broke out now it's not that he's trying to make his way back to his home so he can stand in front of a window all night it's that when he feels he's done killing, when whatever switch is flipped in his brain that tells him he's going to kill people yeah. is switched off, that's what he does, is he goes and he stands there. He goes and re, re It's almost re- like a reboot. It. Yeah, like, like in a video game where like you maybe go sit down for a minute and your health recharges. Yeah, kind of, right? <laughs> yeah. It's weird, yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do here. I don't know. I don't know. I, they could get as wonky and as crazy as like, 
well, you see, there's a history of violence in that house, and it's been plaguing the house for generations, and he's just one in a line of many people who have lived there that have committed murders. They could do some stupid bullshit like that where it's the house, right? Or something along those lines where you try to give some sort of explanation for it. I pray they don't do that. There is, I, Or they could just make it Michael's. Michael, is he's a weird cat. <laughs> well, there's, you can even do, I mean, I don't want them to do this. I'm just projecting this onto the movie right now because yeah. you could even explain it away. And there's a religious reading of this too, if you want. If Michael is some sort of demon or some sort of like... Satan incarnate on Earth, like what the demons want, what Satan wants, they want chaos. Sure, they want people to. And when the job is done, when the job is done, they they are done. And Michael is like he emerges from the flames of hell in this movie. Like he he walks out like he's emerging from it's hell. So if, you, so if you want to even look at it that way, like uh, maybe he is some sort of demonic force that, and maybe it's all in there. Um, yeah. So yeah, that the other thing too is. Um, I texted you after. This reminded me a little bit. This didn't remind me much of a Carpenter movie. No. It reminded me in some ways of a Romero movie. Yes. And it's... And... Uh, though this I, felt more Romero than Carpenter to me. I texted day, but then the more I thought about it, maybe I'm thinking night because what I'm thinking is they refer to Michael as like a virus in this movie. Yeah. Like he's running around killing people and... Uh, That's like, almost a more dangerous aspect of Michael is it's less about the body, the actual physical body count. He's... Which 28, is, by the way. Which is formidable. Yes. <laughs> but it's more about what he's doing to people mentally. Doing to people mentally. And that's what's scary about Night is what gets them in trouble a lot of times is them arguing in the house. It's what, yes. And so that it's people, it's people arguing with each other. And so that that's maybe why this in some ways reminds me of night is because I get that there's not much you can do um, to hide from the virus that is Michael Myers. You can go after him. He's going to kill you. Yeah. Um, you can try to hide. He can kill you. Maybe all you can do is be like Lindsay and hide and maybe get lucky. Maybe. <laughs> yes. And so, it doesn't mean you're special still. So uh, that's where I'll, I'll ask you where yeah. do you want to see Halloween ends go and then we'll wrap it up where do I want to see it go I don't know man I don't, I don't know I'm ready for just be taken on the ride at this point this is certainly not panned out the way I thought it would I think it's been a pleasant surprise in certain ways I think it's been a little bit there have been some elements of disappointment with it um, but overall I'd say I've enjoyed the ride um, this time around I think that we, he stated that it's picking up some years after yeah, this th- film, which was not the original plan. Right. Before uh, the pandemic shut down the back-to-back filming production schedule, I think they were all going to take place on the same night was the original plan. But now that he had some time to refine his ideas and decide, I want a road movie with Will Patton and Jamie Lee and, and, and Allison can come along for sure. And shoot, even if Lindsay Wallace wants to come along, that's cool too. With them traveling across the country, trying to find Michael Myers as he makes like a cross-country murder spree <laughs> through small towns. Yeah. And then eventually tracing him back all the way back around to Haddonfield again, I guess. And because you have to have the finale in Haddonfield. You got to. I think so too. That's one of the the, the little things I think that uh, where H2O is not able to accomplish that these movies have been able to in terms of being closure- for the Laurie character and the Michael Myers character, is that that whole movie takes place in some prep school that is has no connection or relation to to the events of that first movie or the second movie. So it feels a little bit... 
it's certainly emotionally connected because we have Jamie Lee, but it doesn't feel there's not a, there's no sense of of nostalgia or that you get with these because at least we get the familiarity of Haddonfield and the Myers house and stuff like that. So I hope the finale takes place in or outside the Myers house. I hope it ends with the Myers house burning the F down. <laughs> I do. But. Yeah. So I also hope it doesn't end with Lori dying. I, I, I don't need that anymore. I'm done. We've done this before. Yeah. I actually would prefer that she achieves her goals and, and lives some semblance of a happy existence. Is that too much to add? Like, I'm cool with that. No, that is, and so that's what I'll say. I, um, that's all I want from, how, I, te- I think I texted you this too. I want it to end with maybe when Will Patton can join her, Hawkins can yeah. join her. I want this to end with Lori moving out of Haddonfield. Getting that maybe, out. Maybe to some island, maybe maybe to Florida. <laughs> like, maybe yeah. she finds- Getting nice, rid of her guns, finally. Finds a, well, if she's moving to Florida, she doesn't have to. But, that's, that's true. <laughs> so, but, uh, no, but maybe she finds some nice sunny place to settle down and live out the rest of her days and try to be happy with like someone like Hawkins knowing for a fact that he's dead yes no question right he's dead it's over right agreed right or at least in her mind it's enough she's like he's dead and then we can hit the Halloween music and we can show like and call back to that first Halloween show Michael's not going anywhere because guess what Michael's not the Akkads want to make that cash (laughs) all right so I think that's it for Halloween that is right we've gone long my friend we have gone long all right so what do you want to do next time oh lord uh boy so I'm just going to throw this out. I'm never ready for this. So I'm just going to throw this out there. And if you're okay with it, you can tell, if you're not okay with it, you can tell me no. I've <laughs> never, uh, you talked about Deep Star 6 earlier. Sure. I've never seen it. We can watch Deep Star 6. It's too. on Prime. Are you okay with doing yeah, that? Yeah, that's or? fine. Okay. I'll watch it again just to make sure I'm, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm down. Because I know it's something you'd already see, but I have never seen it. So Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Let's do Deep Star 6. Sean Cunningham's Deep Star 6. There's a pretty good death scene in it, so. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Um, that's it. Horror movie yearbook at gmail.com at HM yearbook on Twitter, horror movie yearbook on Instagram and uh, Facebook, which um, I'll try to check because <laughs> I haven't checked Facebook in a while. I just realized I check it out. Good. Good. Yeah. Thank you for being on top of it. Um, that's it. Hey, everybody stay safe and stay away from Michael Myers. <laughs>